Good morning, everyone. And before you come and sit down, just greet everyone in the Lord this morning. Bless everyone. There's no limit to how many you can bless in your day. So bless everyone, shake a hand, give a hug, and welcome everyone into church this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hi, John. Welcome into church this morning. We welcome you all among us today. Jesus came with each one of you today. So we have a gathering here today. The presence of the Lord is among us today. We are glad to be gathered in his presence. And I welcome each and every one of you to come today to a place where God is honored where Jesus is lifted up in this place and we honor our God. Sorry. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pray together. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just come into your presence this morning. We just come with grateful, thankful hearts, Lord, for all, all you have done in our lives and all you're going to do in our lives. We just bring every thought captive unto you today. We bring our spirits into submission to your spirit today. I thank you, Lord, for your blessing pouring out on each one of us today. Today we're going to sing some of the old hymns that have meant so much through the years to the body. Those that have gone on before us, those that are elderly now, those that are our age and younger, maybe aren't so familiar with them, but there is a truth in those old hymns. And it's the hymns that gave them courage as they had to face all the things in their lives. That's what they had, were the old, old hymns. I thank you, Lord, for blessing this gathering today. I thank you for your blessing on Pastor's word as he ministers today. And thank you, Lord, for being among us in such a mighty way, in such a mighty way. We expect your spirit to move in this place today, in Jesus' name. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory. How he 
gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood and atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the
we praise you and we lift up your name, Lord. Yes, Lord, it is you. It is you that is our victory. You are our victory every day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And there is power in the blood. <laughs> Amen. Can you agree with me on that today? Your burden of sin. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. From your passion and pride, there's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for cleansing through Calvary's time. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder working power in the precious. Whiter than snow, there's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious Jesus, your King, there's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood. Would you be free? Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Yes, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Oh, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power. Jesus, your King. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. 
of Jesus it reached this far when it flowed it reached this far it has reached all of us it has reached all of us and there's plenty more the blood of Jesus contains all power in the earth is in the blood of Jesus all power for change he is the answer to everything and as we take that communion and yesterday we took communion several times. It was amazing every time because it's the blood of Jesus that's being represented there. It is amazing. Thank you for the blood and the power in the blood. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. There's a theme through this because of the power in the blood. Hallelujah. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy. shall come with 
let's just praise the Lord together. Let's just praise the Lord. Lift up your voice and give him thanks. We are moving into the season of thanksgiving. So just lift up your voice in thanks and praise unto, unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we just praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Go ahead. We praise you. We thank you. We lift up your name. You are so amazing among us, Lord, and we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you thanks. We give you all the thanks we have, Lord. We know you recognize your goodness in our lives. And I praise and thank you, Lord. You are so amazing, so amazing, so amazing that you saw us. You knew as we were being formed in the womb, you knew each one of us. And you placed things in there that you wanted in our lives. Oh, God, I thank you that each thing was placed in there with love because it came from you. And I thank you, Lord, for your graciousness through our lives, your absolute graciousness. We just praise and honor you. We praise and honor your name in this place. Heavenly Father, we are so in love with you. Thank you, Lord, that blessing, blessing comes from you. All blessing comes from you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for your grace. Your grace is poured out upon us. And then it makes us into what you want us to be. What you created us to be. And we can respond to you. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you. We praise and thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. day long. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That amazing grace, that powerful, overwhelming, huge, amazing grace that has the power to make us new again. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Grace. 
Yesterday, as we were learning about things that weren't godly, how important it is to bring ourselves back to focus in that we surrender to Jesus. We surrender to Jesus, and that's where we want to be. All to Jesus I surrender.
we come into the presence of your Holy Spirit as you're here with us. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We surrender to your Spirit. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, we just invite you. We invite you to come in once again and abide within us. Yes, Heavenly Father, come within us again today and heal those places that are so broken and needing your love and needing the power of your blood. Yes, Lord, we surrender to you today. We surrender anew, anew again today, Lord. You are so amazing so amazing that no matter how many times we come and we say, Lord, I've messed up again, you just accept us. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Verse 3, all to Jesus I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel your Holy Spirit. Truly know that you are mine. Yes, Lord. Witness into our spirits that we belong to you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. among us today. Oh, Lord, yes. You have done it all for us, Lord. He is here.
Lord, for your presence. Oh, we just worship you. 
Praise Jesus. A little loud there, but that's okay. Praise God. It's good to uh, it's good to worship, amen. It's good to worship. It's good just to soak in the presence of the Lord and just connect with Him. Um, who who received their bulletin this morning? Perfect, perfect. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to allow you guys to read your bulletin. I'm not going to handle too many of the announcements. I don't have one in front of me, but uh, I don't think there's too much. Uh, well, there's a few things on the go. Maybe who, who has one? I can steal. I can steal. A, thank you. Borrow. Steal. There we go. Thank you, Frank. No stealing in the house, right? That's right. No stealing in the house. So just a couple of new things you can, you can see, uh, primarily um, surrounding Operation Christmas Child. You'll notice that there was actually a, a change in the date. We thought we had a little more time than we did, but it's actually the 12th is uh, Shoebox Sunday. And I know you folks know all about uh, Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child. But just want to... Um, bring your attention to the uh, the Operation Christmas Child packing party. There's a packing party going to take place on November the 8th at 6.30pm and we're hoping that uh, you'll be able to be here and we'll be able to pack up the boxes together, do it as a church family and uh, just have a good time and I believe there's a, a snack or some refreshments uh, following that as well. So just uh, be mindful of that. Also, continue, just remember us in prayer as we are planning our uh, plan to protect training and just getting some of those uh, things lined up as we move into the, uh, further into the fall and the winter season. I don't want to say winter, although I saw snow. Anybody see that there was snow in the forecast for southern Alberta? and then below in the Montana and then places. And I thought I saw on the screen something that was like 20 to 30 centimeters in some places. I mean, yeah. Aren't you glad, though, that we're above that? We're actually, we're actually in the more warmer, uh, you know, not a whole lot of snow coming our way right immediately. So anyway, 
Praise God for that. Chinook, Chinook, yeah, they get that down there, don't they? So we're gonna we're gonna move right immediately to uh, to worshiping the Lord as we give that which belongs to Him. Amen. The tithe, the word, the word of God says the tithe belongs to the Lord, and so we're gonna worship the Lord in our tithe, our offering, and uh, we're gonna just put that onto the screen this morning. And we're just gonna how many glad this morning that that God is a God that provides. He's a God that resources. He takes care of us. And, uh, but he wants us to honor him. And uh, when we do so, when we do so, he, he blesses us. He uses us as, a, as a, a channel to be able to bless others and, and to reach the world for him. So as we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, miracles created dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings and calls, provisions and promotions, provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me so I may have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Amen. And there it is, a hearty amen right up there. And, of course, also remember, um, for those who were invited by email uh, on the Right Now Media just if you've, if you've received an invitation, please take some time to uh, review that. Check it out online. Uh, there is, there's a ton. There's 18,000 or more uh, videos that are, there's Bible study, there's leadership training, there's stuff for the kids. Uh, it's just, uh, in order to be able to pack all that stuff into a room, uh, you have to have a much larger room then probably, well, maybe upstairs somewhere we might be able to store 18,000 um, library resources. But this is all on video, and uh, there's always more being added. And if you know what Netflix is like or any of those live streaming type of, um, uh, you know, net-based television movie things, uh, this, is, this gives you an idea of what it's like, and that's exactly what it's like, 18,000 videos. So if you've... If you haven't had a chance to review that, uh, please let me know. Remind me, we, do, we still have to the end of November, so we do, we do have time. And if I've forgotten anyone, I apologize for that. So just remind me, give me a nudge, give me a poke in the ribs or something. And uh, we'll do our, I'll do my very best to get an invitation uh, out uh, to you. I think uh, we might need to bring the microphone down just a little bit. Just on the handheld again. I'm just hearing a little echo there. Is anybody else hearing an echo? Does it sound like pigs in space or something? Anybody remember that on the Muppets? You remember that? And they was like, pigs, pigs, pigs. That's what it sounds like up here. So anyway, but we're not pigs in space this morning. So if you have your Bible, uh, turn. If you have your cell phone, I know that this is the way it's going now. So people have iPads, cell phones. You've got all kinds of gadgets now that you can upload your Bible to. I thought it was pretty cool yesterday. I didn't realize this. 
but uh, my Logos Bible software that I have right on my phone got connected to our presentation software. So when I clicked on the scriptures, boom, it went right to that for me, and I could see it right on my phone. I didn't actually have to look up on the screen. So I didn't even know that. So I'm learning. Our, our, our boys are more technologically advanced than we are, uh, but we're learning. So if you have a, your, your device and you use that, that's great too. But uh, this morning, uh, we're looking at Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9. And um, I asked a question this morning to you, just kind of get things rolling, just to, yeah, title of my message. It's, uh, yeah, so we're going to get to that in a few minutes. We'll get to the, we'll get to the text in a few minutes. How many here, um, you've ever made, I, I bet you it's going to be really hard to get anybody to answer this question in the affirmative. Because I know that I'm looking at some very wise people here. Well, there's one. How many here, I know that the, I might only get one hand or something like that. How many's ever made a bad decision in your life? Oh, not as wise as I thought. No, I'm just teasing. Have you ever found that you've you made a decision that, in retrospect, you wish you didn't make, but you had to really live with it? You had to really live with it. Now, I'm sure many, many of us are nodding our heads. Well, probably we've all made some blunders along the way. We've all made some bad decisions along the way. But how many know that life, and this is important, life is a series of decisions that you make, a series of choices that you make. We choose what time to get up in the morning. We choose what time to go to bed. We choose if we're going to brush our teeth or not. I hope that you have. I did this morning. I'm sure you'll appreciate that. You decide whether you're going to put ketchup on your mashed potatoes or not. Or whether you're going to put barbecue or sweet and sour sauce on your, on your chicken fingers. Whether or not you're going to pick up your dirty socks off of the bedroom floor. My wife gets after me at, for that sometimes because I go to my dresser and there's no socks there. And then you find that there's a few laying around somewhere. You make, then there's bigger decisions. And thinking of young people, they, they may decide, you know, what am I going to do with my life? I remember um, being confronted with that. What am I going to do? Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? Where do you want me to go to school? What do you want me to do? What kind of job are you going to take? Uh, marriage, there's a big one. Who are you going to marry? That's a big decision. What kind of car you might buy? It's a big investment. Amen. It's a bad one, too. Depreciates faster than you can pay it off. But there's life-altering decisions that we've all made. And we all agree with that. So we're all on the same page this morning. We all share that experience. We've all made huge life-altering decisions. This morning, in the text that we're going to be looking at, we find that there's something that is extremely important and the theme really comes down to two words and the theme is spiritual discernment discernment spiritual 
discernment. Joshua 9, verse 1, it says, Now when all the kings west of the Jordan had heard about these things, those in the hill country, in the western foothills, and along the entire coast of the Great Sea, as far as Lebanon, and you can see all the names of the different kings and their tribes. Verse 2, they came together to make war against Joshua and Israel. And in verse 3 it says, However, when the people of Gibeon heard that Joshua, what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended, And the men put worn and patched sandals on their feet, wore old clothes. And all the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. That's just sounding pretty nice. And then they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, and they said to him and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. Look at verse 14, down to 16. It says that the men of Israel sampled their provisions. They sampled their provisions. But they did not inquire of the Lord. They did not inquire of the Lord. Look at that. So then Joshua made a a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by an oath. And three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning realizing that we need discernment today. We need discernment. We need you, Lord, to speak to us. We need you, Holy Spirit, to lead us and guide us. We find that not only is life, our own lives, a series of decisions that have long-reaching ramifications, but, Lord, even so it is so much more with a collective body of believers as we gather together and we covenant together, we walk together, we live together, we move together by the Spirit together where you want us to go and what you want us to do. And and it has. It can have eternal consequences. And so, Lord, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for your guidance. We ask, Lord, that our ears, our spiritual ears today would be bent toward heaven. And that we would desire in our hearts, O God, to know your word, to know your voice, to get revelation from you, because we are living in such challenging, and we are living in such turbulent, changing, rapidly, rapidly changing, discontinuous change in the time in which we are. And so, Lord, we need your wisdom. We We need to know what it is that you're saying. And so, Father, we pray today that that would be the case. Help us to do that. Help us to be a people of discernment. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So, the last time we were in the book of Joshua, we we were dealing with strongholds. And so, we've really kind of done a bit of a leapfrog 
from chapter 6 into chapter 9. We know they had a victory at Jericho. We know that they didn't fare so well at Ai because they didn't inquire of the Lord. We know that later on, of course, that there was sin that had entered into the camp through Achan and his disobedience, and it brought, it brought some bad consequences to the entire group, and that sin had to be dealt with. We also find that they, be, they also affirmed their commitment to follow the Lord uh, when, when they had a bit of a mountaintop experience, when they heard the word of the, of the Lord read to them at Mount Ebal and Gerizim. And they heard of God's blessings and they heard of the curses and they made a commitment to follow the Lord. And so now we come to a place uh, where in, in chapter 9 we find that there is a coalition of, of nations that are coming together and they want to fight against the Israelites. A front-on attack. How many understand that when you're making some headway, when you're making some traction, that we have an enemy that doesn't want us to get much further? He wants to stop us from making advancement. Advancement spiritually, individually, in our families. He wants to stop us from making advancement as a church. Because I want you to understand this morning that this group that we have here this morning, we are the body of Christ that meet here. We are an instrument for God's kingdom. An instrument in His hands, just like the instruments that we were playing this morning. It's in, we are an instrument in the hands of the Lord to do His will for His honor and His glory. And I want you to understand that He does not want us, that enemy does not want us to have any impact in this community and beyond this community. And so we have to be very conscientious that there is an enemy. And we find this, this, this morning that you have the Gibeonites, and they, are, they were those who were residents of a mountain stronghold in Canaan, and they were probably the next in the line. Now you have to remember that they are making advancement. And the Gibeonites are hearing of what's taking place. And I don't know about you, but when you begin to see the church of God moving in the right direction, there's going to be tactics that the enemy begins to use. Because how many understand that God is far more powerful than the devil? far more powerful. I was talking yesterday, one person said, God is like a mountain and the devil is like a fly. And so, what we see here is that the Gibeonites, these residents of this mountain stronghold, they're hearing of what has happened. They heard of what happened to Jericho. How the Israelites had marched around the city walls for six days and on the seventh day seven times blew the trumpet. Walls came down and they had a victory. And they kept on marching on. And they kept marching on. And they are making advancement. They heard of what happened to Ai, both the city, their men, their women, their children, their livestock. And now you've got, yeah, you've got the enemy here. He's got a little fear going on. 
Maybe they were concerned that the same thing would happen to them as would happen in Jericho and Ai. But here's the problem in the text that we just read this morning, and you've already got the picture. You've already got the picture that they were sent out, they sent out with, the, and they made sure that their food was old and moldy, their sandals and their, all their clothes looked worn and dusty because they wanted to convince them of something. You can see that deception. So in verse 4, one of the things I want us to note here this morning, that when we walk by sight, because that's exactly what happened. What does it say? It said that they looked at their stuff. They looked at their stuff. So in other words, with the natural eye, they inspected and based on their natural eye, after their inspection, they made a decision. They made a decision. We are rational creatures. I don't know about you, but I tend to try to sometimes use the gray matter between my ears to make decisions. But I want you to know that when we lean upon that, and we don't inquire of the Lord, we get into big trouble. Big trouble. So here they are, they're devising a scheme to trick Israel into making a peace treaty with them. That is a, folks, that is a picture of our enemy, the devil. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.11 that we fight an enemy that uses schemes. And those schemes are deceitful. They are trickery. They are cunning arts. And Satan will use deception to try to trip us up and to cause us to fall into his trap. We remember how Simon Peter, Jesus just before he died, he told Simon Peter that Satan desired to have him, that he might sift him as weak. We find, weak, excuse me, we find that in Luke 22. And Satan wants to do the exact same thing to you and I this morning. He wants to do the same thing to this church. He wants us to fall. He wants our families to to crumble, and families are crumbling all around us, even in the, among Christian communities. The devil is having a heyday with families. He wants us to be discouraged. He wants to beat us down. He wants us to be defeated. And if he feels that we're coming and we're making advancement, what will he, what's one of the tactics he will try to use? He will try to use deception. Verses 4 to 5. Notice the deceptive wares. The Gibeonites had taken every step. They carried old sacks on their donkeys, the broken and bound up wineskins. They had their patched shoes, shabby clothes, moldy breads. And it looked convincing. The evidence they had in front of them with the naked eye, it looked convincing. It looked like their story checked out. But you've heard it said that looks can be deceiving. Joshua asked in verse, perhaps you live near us, how then can we make a treaty with you? But then there's that physical evidence. And here's the thing, who in the world would just come over a short ways and, and take moldy bread with them? You ever do that? Just decided I'm going to take a snack with me for a five minute drive and I'm going to find something that is old and moldy. Who would do that? No, you take something fresh, so it doesn't make sense. They've got broken wineskins. Looks like they're all dried out. Looks like they've been, yeah, looks like they may have come from a long ways. How about the sandals on their feet? They're wore out. 
So after they've examined all of the evidence, I can see now in my, I can, I can think about how it probably in their minds, well, you know, it looks, it looks good, checks out. The evidence checks with their story, their story and the evidence. It, it, we, we see the connection here. So what's the harm? What's the harm in making an alliance? You know, the enemy will try to convince you that he's not your enemy. The devil doesn't come up with a neon sign. I'm the devil. No. He's not going to jump out wearing horns with a pitchfork and a tail and try to fool you. No, the Bible says that he appears as an angel of light. He tries to show that he's not your enemy. He wants to be your best friend. He wants to whisper lies and deceit into your ears to get into your mind and into your spirit that you believe that what you're hearing is the voice of God when it's really the voice of deception. It's the voice of the enemy. And he uses deceptive, as I mentioned, he used deceptive words. So these men of Gibeon were lying. They claimed to be something that they were not. And they were careful in what they referred to. And how many understand that it's deceptive words that caused mankind, humankind, to fall in the Garden of Eden? Did God really say? That's, that's how powerful deception is. And how many, of us, how many of us have found ourselves listening to the wrong voices? Folks, there's sometimes, and I'm gonna be, I want to be very, very direct and very plain, but I want you to understand this, that this is probably the enemy's favorite way to destroy the church from the inside out. And you know what he'll do? He'll deceive people. He'll put 90% of the story is true and 10% is a lie. And people will swallow it over and they'll pass the poison on over and over until it infects the entire body and it brings health and destruction, or not health, but it brings destruction in the body. Remember in the Garden of Eden, the kind of trickery he used, he told, her that, he told her that she could question God's word. He told her that God didn't really mean what he said, and he told her that God was really just holding out on her. God knows that if you eat of that tree, if you take of that, then your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be just like him, knowing good and evil. He's holding wisdom from you. How many understand that that's oftentimes what the devil does with their young people? Don't listen to your parents. They're squares. And that stuff that they're teaching you in church, that's just a bunch of fairy tales. And then these things get embedded 
into people's minds. Dope begins to form. And I want you to know the enemy is laughing when we take the bait. I wonder sometimes, what did the devil tell Cain to get him to kill Abel? What was being whispered in David's ear when he fell into immorality with Bathsheba? What did the devil tell Judas to get him to betray Jesus? And what's Satan right now trying to whisper into our ears to bring accusations, falsehoods, lies, deception? Because, folks, he's still at work. He's still trying to destroy God's people. He's still trying to destroy God's people. 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us that your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And it's not just the people that are on the outside of the church that are being devoured. Folks, the church, God's people... There's a target on our back. He wants you. He wants your family. He wants your testimony. He wants this church to be shut down. Deception. Verses 14 to 21. I'm not going to look at all the verses there, but the second point I want to make is that when we walk by sight, our spiritual eyes grow weak. Verse 14, we'll notice that their ability to see clearly was disrupted. Now, I'm not sure if you knew this fact or not, but in De- God told Moses in Deuteronomy 20 that the Israelites should offer peace treaties to cities that were far away. So they walked into the Israelite camp and they were able to make a deal with them. The problem was, of course, we know that it was a lie. They were not far from far away. They were part of a group that God told Joshua to destroy. So we know they went wrong. Verse 14, here's your issue again, coming back to it. The men of Israel sampled their provisions, but they did not inquire of the Lord. They didn't take the time to have a prayer meeting. They didn't have a, take the time to fast They didn't ask the Lord, Lord, what do you say we should do in this situation? Because again, reason was screaming, these guys are from a long ways away. These guys are telling the truth. These guys are okay. I want to encourage us this morning. I know there's many people in here that are, that are prayer warriors or intercessors. Prayer is, is a value you have it because you do it. But folks, can I just, just encourage us this morning that if we don't, as a church, collectively seek and inquire of the mind of God for what he wants to do in us, through us, collectively as a body of believers in this community, That we have, that we run the risk, we run the risk of going in the wrong direction. I was in here praying one morning, and I know that this was, this was the spirit of God working in my prayer. 
I don't know about you, but I, I have, as a, as a pastor, there's all sorts of different ideas that come your way down the pipeline. There's all kinds of people down in the U.S. that are in these mega churches. And it seems that there's things that they're doing that are good, and there will be leaders that will try to copy what they're doing. And as I was praying, this is my prayer, I began to get to the place where, Lord, I don't want this guy's vision. I don't want that guy's vision. In fact, I got to the place where I said, I don't even want my vision. Lord, I want your vision. Your vision. And folks, that wasn't a predetermined or pre-thought uh, of prayer. That was a prayer that came on the go. I believed that the Spirit was leading me in what I was praying. Because I believe that God has a plan. I believe that God, who is sovereign, who exists outside of time, can see the end of the... And, and he can see the beginning. He can see the middle. And he doesn't create us as robots. He gives us a free will to love him or not to love him. He gives us a free will to obey him or not to obey him. He gives us the freedom of choice. He gives us the freedom that either we can look at the situation with the natural eye and then make a decision cerebrally, or we can get on our knees and say, God, this is what it looks like, but you know the truth. Would you agree with that this morning? Chuck Swindoll said that the swift wind of compromise is a lot more devastating than the sudden jolt of misfortune. And sometimes when we don't inquire the Lord, we end up compromising. And folks, it's not because that we may not be able to make good decisions, but we may not be able to make God decisions. There's a difference between good decisions and God decisions. Do you remember when, do you remember when the people were looking around and they were saying, Wow, you know, look at all the nations around us. Look at our neighbors. Isn't that what kids do? Say, Mom, Mom and Dad, well, how come we can't do this? So-and-so lets their kid do this. And so they were saying, you know, how come we can't have a king like all the other nations? You know why? It's because God was their king. And having God as your king is a good thing, wouldn't you say? It's a God thing. But what's interesting is that the that the people whine and complain, you know, they, they had their little temper tantrum, and then finally God makes a concession with a warning. And so, Saul, who looked apart, he looked good. He looked like a king. He was tall. So I wouldn't have been king of Israel, that's for sure. But he was tall, he was, he was, you know, he had the stature, he, I mean, they probably were envisioning this guy with a crown on his head, and the shield and the sword, and thinking, yeah, that's, that's what a king looks like. So, the people wanted Saul. In their minds, it was a good thing, but it wasn't a God thing. And I don't know about you this morning, but I, I want to be sure that we're moving into the God thing. Not just the things that look good, but the things that God has his blessing on, his favor. That we know that he's 
He's one who's, he's, it's the idea has been formed in his mind. He's just downloaded it into our hard drives. And the problem is here in this situation is that the Israelites didn't do that. They had a lack of godly decision-making. It came from three things. I'm going to hit them really quick. Number one, they relied too much on their senses. In other words, they were walking by sight rather than walking by faith. They saw the bread. They saw the supplies. They saw the clothes. They saw and they used that, all that information. They punched it all into their computer, into their calculators. They hit the equals button, and they came to the conclusion, logically, that these guys were being truthful safe to make a treaty with them. Folks, that's how we can get so far off from God's will when we exclusively rely on observation. So therefore, when we are making important decisions, there's an invitation to each and every one of us. In James 1.5 says this, if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. You know what God's going to do? God, if we ask of God, God will give you wisdom and he'll give it to you liberally. Can I ask of you folks this morning, if in your prayers, could you pr- please pray for me and our counsel that God will continue to give us wisdom, to give us discernment. We need that. We need that. Because there's decisions that need to be made. And it's too tempting to rely on our reason. Jeremiah declared this. He said, I know, O Lord, that a man's ways is not in himself, nor is it in man who walks to direct his steps. There is a way which seems right to a man, Proverbs 14, 12, but in the end it is the way of death. You see, when we're led by the Spirit, things will come up. And it will look good to us. And they'll have, for example, young people will be tempted to say, Oh, you know, just, just try this. It won't hurt you. Just do it. Just try this once. It won't hurt you. And reason says, you know, maybe one time won't hurt me. But you know what? Truth. Truth says that he who is deceived is not wise. Young men are tempted when it comes to dating and so on. And yet, and yet, truth says, faith says, that, and ask the question, is she a woman who fears the Lord? Sight says, man, we better be concerned about the economy. Because this is the way things are. And we look at the Reports, and we listen to the people who are the experts. But here's what faith and truth says. Faith and truth says that we serve a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Walking by faith rather than by sight. The second thing was they relied too much on their common sense, which... Apparently, some people are saying it isn't so common anymore. 
I tend to think I'm a reasonable person. I tend to think that I have a little common sense. But the psalmist, or excuse me, but, the, but, but it says in Proverbs, not in Psalm, Proverbs, and we know this so well, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. What is your own understanding? Your own understanding is your experiences and the knowledge that you've obtained and then how you process all of that and how you think about it. And yet, and yet it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths crooked? No. He'll make your path straight. I don't know about you, but I want to be able to go from A to B without having to go around the mountain for 40 years. They could have went through in two weeks according to the way the crows fly, but they went around the mountain and around the mountain and around the mountain. Because why? They didn't get it. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to lean on my own understanding because I want to get through from point A to point B in an efficient amount of time. Look what it says. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Third thing they did was wrong is they took too much trust in others. In verse 7, Joshua was initially skeptical. And when he questioned them about their origin again, he was a little cautious, but he didn't go far enough. He just took them at their word, especially after they showed him everything. But folks, when sight says trust, faith says test, test character, test faithfulness, test dependability, test motives, test the purity of heart. Why? Because Satan, again, his best weapons against the church is not on the outside, it's on the inside. He will use gossip, he'll use, dis- he'll use slander, he'll use all sorts of different deceptive methods to try to bring dissension and division and destruction, and not only in your personal life, but also in the life of the church. And I don't know about you, but I would say that probably all of us at one time have found ourselves in a situation where we can say, yes, I was deceived. I listened to the wrong voice. But there's a third thing I want us to zero in on. And that's this. I'm closing with this. Is that despite our blindness, God can still redeem our messes. Have you ever noticed that? That God has his way that when we, when we make huge mistakes, because God has a will. Do you realize that? He has a will for our lives. Have you ever noticed that when you read the Bible, God has a plan and he's got people on the chessboard and somehow they make wrong moves? And it seems like they're off the board. They're removed. They're out of the game. But somehow, I don't understand how God's sovereignty works. I'm going to be honest. As, as many, like I said, I've crammed seven year, or three years into seven in Bible college at Master's. I've been working on a Master's of Theological Studies. You'd think I started to learn something by now. But one thing I have not learned, and it's still a mystery, is how God brings about his plans, his sovereignty, working with our free will. I don't understand that tension. And yet, you'll see that as you read Scripture, 
that despite our failings and despite our weaknesses, despite the fact that we get it wrong, despite the fact that we didn't have discernment and we made the wrong choices and decisions, somehow, someway, you understand it, but God is still able to get people back on the highway after they've taken a detour and got on the back roads, going up a mountain. That's what happened to us one time. One time we were trying to take a, a, a shortcut to, to uh, now my wife's just looking, I, I know, I'm sorry, I've got to bring this in. But one time we were, trying to get, we were living in New Brunswick and we were trying to get to Fundy National Park. And so my wife hauls out the map. Uh, mistake. So he hauls out the map, and she, 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 can, she can get me later. It's okay. Um, if I make it to 20 years married, it'd be great. Next month, November 1st. I'm, I got one month to go, and we've made it. She probably deserves a medal. But here we were, and uh, we're taking the shortcut, and she finds the shortcut. And so we're, I'm just driving the Malibu, and I'm, we're going on the shortcut. And uh, so anyway, we, we, we're going down this road, and it's a dirt road, and the dirt road begins to go up. And as it goes up, it begins to get narrow. And the higher we go, the narrower it gets. The next thing you know, you're not just on dirt road. You're, on, you're actually riding your car, your Chev Malibu, which is sitting kind of low. Uh, these are not just crushed stone anymore. These are becoming, uh, after a while, it's like, uh, we need probably a monster truck to get up this mountain. She is looking down, and there is straight down. And then there's the stream, or the river, or whatever that it is. And the trees have gotten a lot smaller. Two little kids in the back seat. And my wife is just holding on to the door for dear life. And now it's my task to back this thing all the way down the hill. Well, we're here, so you know the rest of the story. The neat thing was, is that despite, despite looking at the map, despite seeing that it made sense, that these are the roads and how to get there, look good, look proper, right? We inspected the wares. Um, it got us off on the wrong track. But praise God. The problem got fixed, and we actually got to enjoy the day at Fundy National Park. We got back on the high, and that's exactly what God is able to do. I don't get it how he does it, but he does that. We can make blunders and mistakes, but somehow God can get us back on the main highway, not a dirt road going up a mountain. I think it's in verses 22 to 27. Joshua met with them and said, why did you trick us? Truth comes out. We are very distant from you, but you are living in our midst. Therefore, now you are cursed, and you will be, always be slaves, cutting wood and carrying water for the house of my God. They answered Joshua, it was, it was told to your slaves that the Lord your God commanded Moses and service to give you all the land. And to, they, they knew. You know, that, you know that the devil has a pretty good idea what the main big plan? By the way, he, he's read the Bible, and he probably knows it most, better than most of us. He knows what the end of this book says. It's interesting that the Gibeonites knew something. Look what they said. 
It was told to your slaves that the Lord your God commanded Moses and his servants to give you all the land and destroy all the inhabitants, including them, of the land before you. So we were afraid for our lives and we did this thing. Now here we are in your hands. Do to us whatever is good and right in your eyes. So the truth came out. The truth came out. And it's interesting that despite our spiritual blindness, there are times when God is able to redeem our messes. He's able to get us off of the wrong track, going up the mountain, riding over boulders, with a cliff on one side, impending death, and he can get us back on the right track. I remember reading a story, and I'm going to close with this. In Charles Colson's book, How Now Shall We Live, it was a story of Dr. Bernard Nathanson. And he had made 60,000 decisions, and those 60,000 decisions were this, is that he was, he was an abortion doctor. 60,000 decisions, 60,000 abortions. But later in life, he discontinued the procedure, and he converted his life, to, he, well, he, he, he found Jesus. He was an ethnic Jew, and he grew up under the direction of materialism because he, he had left Judaism all behind. And of course, he was given over to his selfish ambition and so on. And according to Nathanson, here's what he said. He said, I was dwelling under the control of demons of sin. He said, in 1989, after attending a pro-life rally in New York City, Colson in his book, reported that he finally gave up his search for meaning in the pleasures of life. He said it was only then, with this vivid image of love pressing in on him, that Nathanson began for the first time in his entire adult life to entertain the serious notion of God. He began to entertain the idea that God exists. And the horrors of performing mass murders tortured him. Ethical, ethical concerns prevailed because of a new will and a new expression of a worldview that was rooted in the love of Christ. And he came to the point where he began to die to himself and he began to reach out to, to Jesus. And Colson told the story of how he was able to be present with him the day that he was water baptized the day that he made it public and formal. That he was no longer, he was leaving his life of sin, his life of killing the innocent and unborn. To give his life to Christ. And instead of being and running an abortion mill, he became a pro-life advocate, beginning to write in medical journals that the practice should never be done. Isn't it amazing how God can turn our lives around even when we make huge blunders? Isaiah 1.18 says in the New Living Translation, Come now, let us argue with this. This out says the Lord, No matter how deep the stain of your sin, I can remove it. I can make you white as wool, even if you are stained as red as crimson. 
I can make you white as wool. And it's interesting that despite, despite the fact that Joshua and his men were deceived, finally, the truth comes out. And they dealt with the Gibeonites. He realized the seriousness of what he'd done. He took the necessary steps to control the situation, and they put them to work. Redeemed it. An enemy trying to bring deception, and yet there was redemption because they began to be those who are carrying water, chopping wood, and they began to serve the Lord, the tabernacle of the Lord. So Joshua's mistake, his lack of spiritual discernment, in the end, the Lord was able to turn it around and use it for his glory. Could we stand this morning? Could we stand this morning? Could we ask the, the, the worship team to come back? And as you, you feel the Spirit leading, I want to say this. Two things. Number one, Number one, the first lesson I want us to take home is this, the importance of inquiring of the Lord. Can I suggest that it will save us a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble? It'll save us from going down the wrong path. But here's the good part. The good part is this, is that even if we go down the wrong path, if we do make the wrong choices in life, there is a redeemer. There is a redeemer who can redeem these situations and turn them around for his honor and glory. Because some of us here this morning, you've made bad choices in your life. You, there's been times, even as you've been had a walk with God, I know of people right now, who had, been, who had walked with the Lord, but they had lacked discernment. They allowed the enemy a foothold to whisper into their ear and to take a course of action that brought forth destruction in their life. And sometimes you think, game over. Game over. But I'm here to tell you that it's not over. It's not over. If you're still here, there is still a God who can redeem the messes in our lives and the choices that we make. You see, but, but you don't know what I did. You don't know. The, no, I don't know all the deep things in the past. But I do know that there is not only a deceiver, but there's an accuser of the brethren who wants to keep whispering into your ear and bring up these things to keep you down to keep you from believing lies you're not worth anything you're no good look what you did look where you went look who you were with look what the result was you're nothing you're nothing but folks if God can turn the life around of one who made 60 who killed 60,000 people and can redeem them He can redeem our messes. He can redeem, folks, there are things, even this church has history. Amen? And when you got history, there's good 
and there's the bad and there's the ugly. And you know what the devil wants to do? He wants to keep bringing up the bad and the ugly. And he wants to remind us of the bad and the ugly. He doesn't want us to think on the good. And he doesn't want to think on the fact that God can take the situation in which we are right now, where we find ourselves, and he can put us on a path toward advancement. He can use this church as an instrument of his kingdom. This church can be a vibrant witness. But as we move forward, I want to encourage us. Every decision, every decision that we make, every step that we take, what is that song? Every move I make, I make in you. Amen? That we would be people who would say, Lord, what do you say about the matter? So, so Lord, this morning, there maybe there's someone in this place that would say, I made some big blunders in my life. I didn't use discernment. I, I, used, I used my eyes, my natural eyes, and I made decisions based on what I saw, based on my understanding. And it went south. And I've done that numerous times. And the devil has whispered in my ear, brought that stuff back up over and over and over again. And because of the lies that he's continuing to tell you, that you feel that you, you're not good enough, you don't deserve anything, you don't deserve God to, to use you, you don't, you don't des- deserve for God to do certain things in your life. Well, I want you to understand this morning that, that it's not true. that speaks to your heart this morning, I want to invite you to come. I just want to invite you to take some moments today before we officially dismiss the service and then begin to mingle. I just want us to give us a a room this morning to respond to what the Spirit of God is, is speaking to your heart and your mind. I trust that God has taken this, this message this morning and he's, and he's been able to use it. If that's you this morning, if, if you feel that Lord is speaking to you about a matter and, and you just want to, to make that move, to reach out to him and just kick the devil to the curb. Because I don't know about you this morning, but it's time that we stop listening to the lies of the devil. It's, stop, it's time that we stop. It's time that we stop. And we begin to, to, to see with eyes of faith, to be led not by sight, but with eyes of faith, truth. Precious Jesus, we just come this morning as your body, we come as your people. And as we move forward, we pray, Lord, that we will inquire of you, we'll make prayer and intercession. Those will become priorities again corporately as we seek your heart and your will. And we ask, Lord, today, if there's those who feel that because of the choices, the decisions, the deception that they've fallen into, that there's no hope, that there is hope, that God can reroute your life. He can 
He can change the direction. If you feel you're on the wrong path, going the wrong direction, He can put you off of that detour and get you back on the main freeway. Yesterday we were at the conference and you know what the conference was? The conference was all about deception. Deception. Because there's organizations that project that they are something that they are not and then once people make decisions, they make alliances and they make vows and then they get into something is just evil and they didn't know it was evil they thought it was good but again the devil presents himself as an angel of light and you know what yesterday was all about really it was all about breaking the curses of that are affecting us and, and breaking the curses of the past so that we can move on into the future this is what this message is about this morning it's breaking and saying devil you might have deceived me once or twice or three times and you might be trying to throw it back up in my face but guess what I serve a God who is a redeeming God he is a deliverer he's the one who can set us free and we are not going to listen anymore to the lies of the enemy we're not going to be duped by your schemes and your strategies any longer we're not listening to it We're going to stand on what the Word of God says and who the, and what the Word of God says I am and who I am in Jesus and where I'm going. And we need to remind the devil when he comes up with his pity little lies that we hit him with the map of the truth of God's Word and we kick him to the curb and we remind him where he's going and not to heaven. We need to remind him where he's going. Felt had to say that one. Praise Jesus. Thank you, God. Can we just worship Him? That our chains are gone. We've been set free. Our God, our Savior, has ransomed. He's ransomed. He's bought us from the slave market of sin. morning and there's regrets 
There's things that have troubled you. As, as we sing this song and, and as we believe that, God can still break the chains. He can still break the chains because remember, the deception the, the devil uses is to keep us captive. The lies is to ensnare us, to make us believe it. And what we believe is what we'll be and it's what we'll do. So this morning, we're singing truth that my God, my Savior, has ransomed me. He has set us free from the curse of sin. He set us free, and He's given us a brand new destiny. We sing that, we just work. Whatever that it is, whatever it is that's been haunting you, whatever it is that the devil has been speaking to you, let's break the chains. To shake it off. My, My chains are gone. gone. I've been set
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and your word today. We thank you for how it's witnessed to our spirits today. We thank you, Lord, for your blessing today. We thank you, Lord, for new awareness that you're putting in our hearts and lives against deception of all kinds. God, we take a stand today and say once again, we will live for you. We will listen to you. We will work with you. We will obey your voice in our lives. Thank you, Father, for this time together today. Bless each one as they go on their way today. We thank you for your care and your protection over us until we meet again. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Just before we leave, um, for anyone that wants to stay, there is some, uh, I want to make sure I pronounce it right, Borsch? That's Borsch. Okay, well, you know how to say it better than I do. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, warming up now, and there's some other goodies, I believe, that might be kicking around, so everybody uh, is welcome to stay and have a little, a little bite. Yes. I want to just say one thing. It's only going to take a minute. It was burning on my heart, and I feel the Lord wants us to hear it. I had shared this with some people. I was involved in a church that had thousands in their congregation, had many satellite churches. And I watched pastors fall, and I watched Bible college teachers fall because of deception. These were good, learned men. Deception got in, and it came tumbling down. And I prayed to God, you want to hear the prayer that saved me? I was scared. I looked and I said, God, if these men, these pastors, these Bible college teachers can fall, who am I? And so I prayed, Lord, if it takes this brick on the side of my head, don't let me fall into deception. You need to hear something here. It wasn't the words of the prayer. It was the attitude of the heart. That's what God saw. And today, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you pray have the attitude of your heart to serve the Lord and not fall in deception and he will keep you. Amen. 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 So.